Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 871. Today it's a Rebels briefing. I'm looking at Iron Squadron. This is season 3, episode 8 of the Star Wars Rebels TV series. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, I'm Amy Rackliff from Full of Sith, and you're listening to Star Wars 7 by 7 the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And Iron Squadron seems to be doing a few things at once. I guess on the one hand, you could kind of think of it as a filler episode. I mean, Thrawn shows up in it, and Thrawn, of course, seems to be the main thrust of this season. But, you know, there's not a heck of a lot from him. So there is something going on a little bit with Thrawn and filling out his character And yet there's also a little bit of recruitment happening that could eventually play into later parts of the season. So here is the deal in brief with Iron Squadron. There's a planet called Mycapo where there are a bunch of rebel sympathizers that need to be evacuated before the Empire really locks the system down. So the ghost crew goes to help with the evacuation. It also happens to be the planet from where Commander Sato hails and Iron Squadron is the name of a rebel detachment that had been led by Commander Sato's late brother. Now, of course, it is down to just three kids on a ship that looks like Dash Rendar's Outrider from Shadows of the Empire, if you remember that way back when. It's the same kind of YAT-2400 freighter, but it is not the Outrider for sure. One of the kids is the nephew of Commander Sato, who wants to stay in the Maikapo system and continue to fight the Empire, even though the odds keep getting worse and worse. That's at least partly due to Thrawn, because he gets a status report from Admiral Constantine about the resistance happening in the Maikapo system, and Thrawn wants the Admiral to go take care of it personally. This seems to be Thrawn testing out his people instead of testing out the rebels in this particular instance. And for the task, he only allocates Constantine a light cruiser and whatever complement of ships go along with that. So yeah, definitely a test of his own team going on as part of this one. But you know Thrawn is thinking of a bigger game too because the ghost was seen in the vicinity of Mycapo, so he's factoring them into his calculations as well. Anyway, Constantine shows up with the light cruiser and whatnot, and the ghost is driven from the system without being able to rescue Mart, who insists on staying on his YT-2400 and attacking, even though the TIE fighters quickly make short work of his ship. Once the rebels report back to the fleet, though, they talk with Commander Sato, who offers to go rescue Mart on his own. Of course, Hera says, no, that's not going to work. You're too far away anyway. Let me sneak back in with the ghost. I don't know how she thinks she can sneak the ghost in anywhere at this point, but yeah, that's the way they're thinking about it and trying to spirit him out that way. But of course, Constantine has a different idea about that. Unfortunately for Constantine, it's an I'm too smart for my own britches kind of idea. 
by attaching a magnetic mine onto the ship, onto March's ship. He decides that he's going to try and kill two birds with one stone. He's going to wait for the ghost crew to show up and attach to March's ship, and then he's going to trigger the mine. You know what? He's got a light cruiser. He should just be blowing them all up. He should just be turning loose every single fighter, every single one of his batteries, and just pounding the heck out of them. But no, of course not. He gets too cute about it, and he winds up with a damaged light cruiser and egg on his face when Thrawn arrives in the system and says, You rang? To which Constantine says, Yeah, the rebels have been handled. And Thrawn says, Oh, by that you mean they've been allowed to escape? Mwahaha. And there's an exchange that happens at the end of the episode or near the end of the episode. And it seems like that's really the point of this whole episode. Like everything was building up to set up this particular exchange. But I got to fill you in on something if you haven't seen the episode or refresh your memory if you haven't, if you have already seen it yet, I should say. Uh, that leads up to that exchange, which is the fact that the ghost crew is trying to pull off this rescue and it's not necessarily going well. And of course, despite the fact that Commander Sato kind of let the ghost crew handle this, or at least that's the indication that he was going to give, he decided to show up anyway. So his Corellian Corvette comes into the system, and A-Wings ablazing, they take out the TIE Fighters and provide cover for everybody to get safe. But the fact that Commander Sato has arrived in the system has not, of course, escaped the notice of Grand Admiral Thrawn, who hails him, and they have this exchange. Commander Jen Sato... I wondered what it would take to motivate your return to my cargo. And now you know, Admiral. Until we meet again. Yes. Until we meet again. Alright, so this is now the fourth out of eight episodes in which Thrawn appears, and this is, you know, the same sort of, yes, we'll meet again, won't we, kind of thing that keeps happening, and it's getting maybe just the slightest bit old for me. I'm kind of waiting for him to actually start putting some pieces together and start causing some real chaos. You know what I mean? That being said, Thrawn is really starting to put the pieces together and figure out how these different rebel cells are connecting with each other. And now he has a new puzzle piece in the relationship with Jun Sato and the ghost crew. So Thrawn is very patiently putting the puzzle together and once again, family seems to be the thing that is motivating the rebellion. So we have Sato coming after his nephew, and of course, Makapo is his home planet where his brother was killed. So that's an issue in Hera's Heroes. Family, again, was an issue on Ryloth and family heirlooms in particular. But for Steps into Shadow, that wasn't really the case. It was more about Thrawn figuring out what the next move of the Rebels was going to be, that they were going to steal the Y-Wing fighters and get them to be part of Phoenix Squadron, which was not the Rebel fleet, or at least according to Thrawn, because three cruisers showed up and he said, that's not the Rebel fleet, let them go. So bits and pieces being put together diligently by Grand Admiral Thrawn and I know that he's a long game kind of guy and that's what we're expecting, but I surely hope that some of this long game is revealed and some of his chaos is put into action by the time of the mid-season finale, which I believe is happening with episode 11, which would be Visions and Voices. That's happening on December 10th. There is an episode right before it called An Inside Man, which makes me wonder if family is so important to the Rebels, if Thrawn is picking up on this particular fact and figuring out 
some sort of familial relation to either Sato or to the Sindulas or something like that who can end up causing discord within the nascent rebel alliance. That's what I'm starting to wonder as a theory for what his game plan is at this point. I'd love to hear what your theories are on the subject, so please do chime in at the comments of the blog post for the show's episode at SW7X7.com. All right, before I wrap this briefing up, one last thing. So the characters of Iron Squadron, Jonner and Mart and Guti, are actually named after Lucasfilm employees. Mart's name, his full name is Mart Matten, which is a very obvious twist on Matt Martin of the Lucasfilm story group. Guti's last name is Terez, which is an immediately easy jump to Andy Gutierrez, who is the host of the Star Wars show and Rebels Recon, and also a digital communications manager for Lucasfilm. And then John Jin is the inspired name for John Harper, who is a cameraman, editor, and producer for the Star Wars show. Now, the character named John Jin is absolutely not any kind of dead giveaway, but I gotta tell you, if they'd given the full names of Mart and Goody's characters inside the episode, I think that would have kind of taken me out of the episode entirely. I mean, it's a different animal from, say, for example, seeing Anthony Daniels in Attack of the Clones, you know, in the scene in the bar where Obi-Wan and Anakin capture Zam Wessel. You know, it's him, and if you're a Star Wars fan of a certain level of obsession, then you would recognize Anthony Daniels appearing in a scene, you know? And same thing, say, with Wicket, you know, uh, Warwick Davis, excuse me, (laughs) appearing in The Phantom Menace. Like, you know, a certain level of obsession, you recognize him, right? But George Lucas appearing in Revenge of the Sith, you don't recognize him. He is totally done up with makeup and costume and whatnot and is more blink and you'll miss it sort of situation. So that, if you had known it was George Lucas walking around in the background of it, would have taken you out of the movie. I think it would be different when it's not an actor associated with the franchise. And I think in this case that had I known that the full name of Mart's character was Mark Matten and Goody's character was Guti Terez, I think it might have taken me out of the episode in a not good way. And I guess it's just the naming probably more than anything else. I mean, Lucas's character's name in Revenge of the Sith was Baron Papanoida. I mean, you would never, ever come up with that being attached to Lucas in any way, shape, or form. I mean, Mart Matten, uh, you know, I, I want a different name for that. If they had named Goody's character Degoots, for example, which is Andy Gutierrez's Twitter handle, I think that might have been a little more palatable for me at least because that one, not many people are going to remember that and I mean, how many people's Twitter handles do you know off the top of your head? No, you just know to (laughs) type in the person's name and Twitter handles the Twitter handle for you, so yeah, anyway I was looking for something a little less obvious for those two, that's probably my only quibble with the episode that and maybe as a fan who's watching this for the whole long haul not just necessarily enjoying it episode by episode i'm getting ready to be done with the muahaha all according to my evil plan situation from thron i'm ready for his evil plan to actually start hatching you know and that is officially going to do it for this star wars rebels briefing i do have a trivia question for you on the other side of the break though so stay tuned 
Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com slash SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com slash SW7X7. Welcome back. Hey, it is trivia time. What will you do if they break you? Dude, I've been at this for 871 episodes, not counting all the bonus ones. If they haven't broken me yet, it's probably not going to happen. All right, last time I asked you where some of the exterior scenes around Maz Kanata's castle were filmed, and that is in the Lake Country in the United Kingdom. Today's question for you, who are the three people who have writing credits for The Force Awakens? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you ride your tauntaun past the first marker, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a forced ghost vision, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7 by 7 We hope you love it.